I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, I love Hope City Church, and uh, if you have attended here for any length of time, you know this, but if you're relatively new, uh, what a great church you walked into today. And uh, it's filled with incredible people, and it is a great place for you to worship and to learn the truth of God's word and to grow in relationship uh, through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I just, I think it's an amazing place that you need to put down roots. But today is not necessarily just about the church. Uh, today is an incredible day to honor your pastors. And uh, what I'm about to say, you know, this is like if I tell my wife I think she looks beautiful today, she's like, oh, well, you're supposed to say that. No, I'm not, but I still say it anyway. But today, I, I'm, you know, I'm the brother, and so it's like, oh, well, what you're gonna say, it's a little biased. It is, get over it, okay? Um, you have a great, great pastor. You have great pastors, Jason and Andrea and the kids, Sadie and Nora and Solomon and Zeke, I've gotten to spend the last 24 hours plus with them, and I just, I love them so much, but I, I was thinking about a number of things related to pastoring. Um, I am a pastor, I pastor just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, but we come from a, a family of pastors. Uh, our grandparents and great-grandparents were, our great-grandparents were church planters and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. And uh, when I was a teenager, I had heard all of my life, oh, you can be a pastor like your, you know, your family. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And so I went to college to be a lawyer and I wanted to go into politics. Don't judge me for that. Uh, but it was really out of a good heart to like help and serve people. It was out of the same desire that you, you have a desire sometimes to be a pastor uh, and so then the Lord changed my direction. But Jason, as a teenager, the Lord kind of radically did something. Some of you know this story. The Lord radically did something in Jason's life. And he'd always been like a good kid. He had been, I love to call him a contrarian. He loves that. He really, really loves that. Um, but I, I, because he was just like, if you said, hey, the sky's blue, he'd be like, no, it's not. It's just off blue or what? I mean, just a little bit so that he could be, right? He's raising a couple of those now. And, um, but, but, Early in his teenage years, the Lord really did something to capture his heart. And it was like from that moment, Jason just put a stake in the ground and said, like, this is the direction of, in the course of my life. And we all get to benefit from that. And we get to benefit from his decision to just faithfully chase after, passionately chase after God. And he and Andrea are an incredible team. They, they love so well, uh, and they complement one another so well. Uh, in the way that they do ministry. But I was thinking about in scripture all of the various ways that God used people to lead people and thinking about the New Testament specifically, but not just the New Testament, the Old Testament as well. And I just kind of, I just jotted down some thoughts here, but like men and women of God that God used to speak to and to lead his people. Some were evangelistic, some were profound, some were miraculous leaders, some were warriors, some were strategic. Almost all of them were humble, but all of them were chosen by God. And as I thought through that list, I just thought about the way that you're honoring Jason and Andrea today. But when I think specifically about Jason, I think about him being a man after God's own heart. I think about a man who hears from the Lord and models faithfulness. He isn't afraid to take risks, but he's wise in his calculations. He sees the value in every person and yet challenges every person to be better. He's steady and calm, but he refuses to stand still long enough for fear of getting too comfortable. He's well-versed without being pretentious most of the time. <laughs> He's humble, often referring to the gifts of others that he so admires without realizing the gifts that we all admire in him. But more importantly than any of his gifts, successes, or failures, he has been chosen by God for such a time as this 
for this place in ministry. So just a second ago, we clapped just a minute. Here's what I want you to do before we jump into God's word and kind of the rest of our time. I want you to stand on your feet and honor your pastors today. Thank you, thank you so much. You can be seated. I love you, buddy, and I'm proud of you, and I'm thankful for you. He makes me a better pastor. He makes me a better father and a better husband. Uh, we have a group text, and we talk eight or nine times a day, and uh, and so I'm I'm thankful for for him. But I, I honor him today, and that's really where I want us to spend our time. I want us to talk about the subject, the virtue of honor. Honor is a subject that I think is often misunderstood, but it is definitely something that is uh, less and less visible in our culture in, in the day that we live now. And that makes me sound like this old curmudgeon, but, but I really do feel like honor is something that, that it, we used to see it a lot more and it feels like we see it a lot less. As we talk about honor, I'm, I'm using this definition today, to value, to respect, or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. So if you think about that word, it, it could mean a lot of different things and it can be used a lot of different ways. But, but really what I wanna do today is I just wanna talk about how we can and who we should honor. The, the idea here is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And it says this, it says, honor one another above yourselves. Now, you could just stop. Like, we could pray right now and go back into worship because that's the sermon. We, we are called by God to honor other people more than we think about and honor and prioritize self. And that's a challenge because we are all selfish. If you don't think you're selfish, you're also a liar. Because if we take a group picture and then somebody shows you that group picture, where do you look first? You. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means like we think about, look at, prioritize ourselves. But ultimately, the gospel is counterintuitive, countercultural, it's upside down. It's instead of thinking about self, it is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? Love your neighbor as you are supposed to love and take care of yourself. You don't, you don't like avoid taking care of yourself, but in doing so, you also prioritize your neighbor and the other person. So we honor one another above ourselves. And so I just want to look at some groups of people or some ideas of what honor should look like and could look like. Here's the first one. I honor God above all else. I start here. I, I can't really honor anybody else or do anything related to honor unless I honor God. So I honor God above all else. First Samuel chapter two, verse 30 says this. So the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your family and your ancestors' family would serve me always. But now the Lord says, this must stop. I will honor those who honor me, but I will dishonor those who ignore me. Now the subject here, the context of what we're talking about is if you read the early portions of the book of 1 Samuel, you, you recognize that like the leadership is kind of shifting among the children of Israel. And so you have Eli, the prophet of God, and you have his two wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they are doing things that just make their dad angry, but he doesn't really do anything about it. He just kind of lets them do what they want to do. And so Samuel has been this kind of supernaturally conceived son, and his mom brings him to the temple and this is the incredible story, if you've read it, where you see that, you know, he's like, he hears this voice when he's laying down one night, and, and, and so he runs into the prophet, and he's like, I, did you need me? Did you need something? He's like, no, I didn't need you. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. This is kind of what Zeke did last night at the house. And so it's like, did, you, did I hear you call me? No, no, go back to bed. Go back to bed. And the third time, 
Eli says, okay, this is something special. He said, God's speaking. So when he speaks again, say, here I am, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. Like, what is it that you're trying to say to me? This is that transition of power. But what's happening here, this passage of scripture tells us that God is saying, like, I, I actually had a plan for you and your family. I, I had this thought, I had this idea that you would honor me and I would honor you, but you have chosen a different path. You've decided to do something different. And so ultimately, you gotta stop doing what you're doing. I will honor those who honor me, but I'm gonna dishonor those who ignore me. And can I just be honest for a second? Here's, here's what I see. I'm guilty of this. I think you're probably guilty of this. But what we wanna do is we wanna make our own plans and do our own things and ask God to bless that. Yeah. Yeah. And really what God is saying is like, no, 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 there is a path and a plan, and it's not as narrow necessarily in certain moments of your life that, that we think it is, Sometimes the plans and the will of God looks a lot like the Grand Canyon. It's wide and it's grace-filled and it's permissive. And it's like, you wanna keep moving towards me? You can go as wide as you wanna go in the same direction you're headed towards me. But there are moments when it's like, you gotta put one foot in front of the other. And this is the only way forward in pursuit of God. And so we have to decide in that moment, what does obedience look like? We can't just say like, God, this is what I'm doing. Will you bless that? It's like, God, what are you blessing? I wanna do that. And so it's like, God, I, I honor you above all else. So here's what God says in response. He says, well, that's awesome. Then I, I honor you. I, I actually honored you first. Romans tells us that God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He initiated his love for us, forgiveness, grace, mercy, honor. He initiated it. So it's not like he's waiting on us and then responding to us, but you and I have a choice of whether or not to receive that and respond to that. And so if I choose to dishonor him, I can't say like, okay, well, God, you know, yes, I'm ignoring you now, but I'm asking you still to bless me and my efforts. My pastor, when I was a little bit younger, I was serving on his staff, and he preached a sermon one day about hell. And it was one of the most profound thoughts, and maybe nobody else in the sanctuary in that day, like that, they got the same thing I got out of it. But he was talking about this, and, and maybe you disagree with this thought or this idea, so I don't wanna get too deep in this thought, but just, just to, I think it kinda lets us hang our hat right here for a second before we move on to the next point. He said, ultimately, a lot of people ask this question, how could a loving God send people to hell? He said, I think that's the wrong question. He said, because ultimately what that looks like is it's about eternity, but eternity's not something that starts later. You're living in the beginning portions of eternity now. And so why would God force upon you an eternity that you have not chosen now? To say like, God, I don't want you to do anything in my life. I don't wanna have anything to do with you. I don't wanna give you control of my life. I don't want you to lead and guide my life. I don't actually wanna spend time with you in prayer and in worship. I don't wanna have anything to do with you. And God says, okay, then I will give you what you've asked for. You are the one that chose this direction. And so I'm not going to dishonor you. I'm going to do what I said. If you honor me, I honor you. My desire is that none should perish, but all should have eternal life. But if you choose to go in another direction, I will honor your decision to do so. So for me, I gotta start from a place of honoring God above all else, and it looks very simply like this. A personal relationship with him. Worship, expectation of who he is, praying to a God that I know can and not just to a God that I hope can. I honor him through praying big prayers. I honor him through faith-filled action. I honor him through giving financially to trust him with what he's entrusted into my hands. And here's the reality. All the things that I just mentioned don't make any sense unless we start from a place of honor. Like if you don't honor God, then everything I just told you sounds like obligation and duty. 
But if you have a relationship with God, everything that I just described to you feels like the right response to a holy, loving, forgiving, grace-filled God. So I honor God above all else. Here's the second one. This seems like a hard left turn. But I honor those who hold government offices. It's like, man, okay, we're going to go here for a second. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says this. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And it's like, okay, so that's fine as long as my guy wins. That's fine as long as my party is in control or the people that I like are the ones making all the decisions. But you and I don't get that disclaimer. That is not laid out here. What, what I have to do is I have to trust that as I honor God above all else, which is where I start, then I also honor the, the broken and fallen human system of this earth that I live in today. And, and what scripture tells me is that if I seek first his kingdom, then everything else is kind of temporary anyway. That all of these earthly systems, none of them will last, and yet we put so much of our hope and trust in it. And that's, that's ultimately where it falls short. But as long as I'm living here, one of the ways that I honor God is by honoring those who are over me in authority. It actually says something about my heart. It says something about the submission of my heart. Now, the obvious question becomes, well, what if I disagree with them? What, what should I do? You can disagree with someone without dishonoring them. Like, I, I can choose to believe that you are on the complete wrong side of an issue and still not dishonor who you are as a human being. And so what should I do? I should, I should voice protests but I should do so in a way that reflects my heart of honoring God above all else. I, I should speak out, I should, I should vote and participate. And let me just say, this is definitely not the Bible. This is Jeremy right here. If you don't vote, don't speak. Like you, you, you have a responsibility to participate. And so vote for the things that you believe in and we should participate. But then also, if you wanna run for something, run for it and, and, and disagree with it, but you can do so without dishonoring. And it's like, well, you don't understand, man. The world's getting crazy and going. That's, it. That's to imply that the people that have lived before us didn't also live under the rule of those who they disagreed with. They were persecuted and beaten and killed. Some, is, some of that is happening in present day in other places in the world. And so sometimes when we view it just through our American lens, we kind of miss a whole huge part of what's taking place around the world right now. And yet God is calling us to honor those in authority over us. And so we can look back to the days of Paul. We can look back to the days of Christ and we see oppression and persecution. And yet we see the response of this submitted heart that honors God above all else and honors those in authority. And so one of the ways that we can obviously do that is to pray for them. First Timothy chapter two, verse two says this, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that you can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. I actually can live under the authority of someone that I disagree with and pray for them and that reveals more about my holiness than it does about them. And so what does it say about my own discipleship and my own relationship with God and the way that I live under the rule of someone that I disagree with? Here's another one, this is very appropriate for today. I honor those who lead the church. I honor those who lead the church. You're honoring Jason and Andrea and their kids, their family today, which is something that you should do. It's, it's found right here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. It says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Well, I'm the one teaching or preaching today, so maybe this sounds a little self-serving. I don't mean it to. It's just right here in the Bible. Take it up with God. But the best thing that you can do is put down roots in a church. You should do that here. But if this is not the place that you feel like you're supposed to be, then go put down roots somewhere else. But put down roots. Like, 
Like invest your life there. Don't just show up. Don't just kind of you know, slide in and slide out. Like actually get involved and serve and, and give and, and use your gifts to impact the lives of those around you and allow others' gifts to sharpen you and to serve the needs that you have and, and cry with those who cry and laugh with those who are laughing and like do life in faith community with one another But as you do so, you submit yourself under the authority of spiritual leadership. And we all probably have heard the stories or experienced places where that's gone bad. Like we've seen people that have used that kind of role or that kind of office in a negative or potentially even an evil way. And so you have to use wisdom and you have to use discernment and you have to rely on the other spiritual leaders from that house to help make decisions that are in the best interest of the body. The body of Christ is the bride of Jesus Christ. And so ultimately, God is going to take care of his church, but he appoints under shepherds. He appoints these people to oversee kind of the flock in the the metaphor that's used in scripture, to oversee the body and to help serve and care and guide. And you have an incredible staff of people that do that here at this church. But here's so often what happens. You know, maybe you've heard the phrase familiarity breeds contempt. I don't think contempt is usually where we slide, but familiarity often breeds complacency. I'll give you a great example. I used to live really, really close to a Krispy Kreme donut. I found out last night Jason thinks Dunkin's better, but y'all just pray for him. Just help him. Dunkin' just feels like Krispy Kreme's been left out for four days. I don't know what happened, but, but like Krispy Kreme's where it's at, okay? And if you disagree, like again, we'll pray for you too. We're gonna have a time of prayer later. But I used to live very close to a Krispy Kreme and I didn't really care about it until I moved away from it. And then it was like a commitment to go get Krispy Kreme. Like you had to like, I mean, I gotta buy the donuts, but it's also like a half a tank of gas, but it's worth it. Let's go do this. Like it's, but when you're close to something, sometimes you don't realize how precious it is. And when you're in a church like this, sometimes it's like, oh, well, that's just Jason. That's just Katie. That's just Joe. That's just, it's like our familiarity, our proximity to something causes us to potentially devalue it or to get complacent about the value that exists in something. And I would say like when I'm looking at God's word, sometimes the people that deserve honor around me, my family, my, my wife, our children, those that are friends, those that are over me in the Lord, sometimes my familiarity, my proximity to them causes me to get complacent. And I would challenge all of us to, to push back from time to time and see the value that God has placed. How much does God love us to put incredible leaders over us in the Lord? And so I honor them with everything that I have because it's what God has asked of me to do. I mentioned my wife, I'm called to honor my wife. I honor my spouse. But in specifics here for me, in 1 Peter chapter three, verse seven, it says this, it says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, mine is not, but she is your equal partner in God's gift. She's scrappy, I mean, she, okay, okay. So like in God's gift of new life, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. That's a challenge for a lot of us to recognize like, like what is this asking of me? You got me on the wrong day because I love and value marriage so much so that my wife and I have written a marriage book called Your Marriage Matters. You can buy it in the lobby, a little infomercial right there. <laughs> you need to do a knife that cuts through your shoes. No, okay, so like infomercial there, but like we've got some in the lobby. I, it, we, here's what we believe, that God has ordained marriage. And it's not just like this, relationship we get into and get out of because it's easy. It's like, no, 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 God has ordained 
Like God has chosen, he could have chosen any apparatus, any instrument, any relationship to reveal this incredible story of Christ and the church. But according to Ephesians 5, he chose husband and wife to tell the greatest love story of all time. And so you and I have been called and invited into that story. So what can God do with our I do? And so I am called as a husband to love my wife as Christ loves his church. And, and husbands, let me just say to you, we have a great responsibility. It's like, oh, well, she does this, she nags, and she does this, and she does, okay, get over it. You are called to love and respect your wife, serve her, lay down your life, give up your preferences from time to time, find a way to communicate in a life-giving way toward one another. It's what we're called to do. I was at a conference a few months ago, Pastor Larry Stockstill, who's now retired, but uh, pastored in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana for about 40 years he, uh, he said he was watching. Now, this is not recent. What The story he told us was recent, but he, he said that it happened about five or six years ago. He was watching on television, so not recently when the Queen of England died, but she was still living and serving. And, and he saw on the television she was coming out of Buckingham Palace, and she got into a car, and they drove her somewhere. And you know, he said, I was watching, and he said, I was sitting on the couch with my wife that night. And he said, I don't know how the Lord speaks to you, but he said, I believe with all of my heart the Lord spoke to me that night. He said, I was watching that, I was thinking, man, the queen for like 50 years, she's never opened a door. She's never driven a car. Like she just, people just served her needs. And he said, I believe the Lord impressed upon my heart and said, look to your right. He said, I looked to my right and there was my wife and the Lord said, that's your queen. He said, why should they treat the queen of England better than you treat the queen of your house? And, and it's like, well, your wife can open her own door. She, she can. My, my wife used to get mad at me when I was like carrying the luggage out to the, because she's like, I got it. I was like, I know you do, but I got it. <laughs> it's not that you can't. It's just that I want to do this for you. And so one of the ways that we do that, this is, this is simple. We talked about it this morning. Solomon crushed it this morning, unloading the dishwasher. But one of the ways we do it in our house is Corey loads the dishwasher and I unload the dishwasher. And it's like, well, that's simple. Well, it's, it, it makes for a happy marriage in our house is what it does. <laughs> Because I believe I have the spiritual gift of packing a trunk for a, for a trip. Like, we're going to go on a trip. We're going to take all six of us. I can put it in a compact car for three weeks, and it all fits. It's like a Tetris board. I'm going to give you the, the life hack right now. Don't pack the trunk till it's all sitting on the ground outside the trunk. you got to know what you're working with, right? Because I'm going to pack it, and you're going to bring me three bags that we weren't expecting. It's like, well, that can't go. And it's like, well, that's got to go. It's like, well, that's staying here. But you just pack it all when you see it all. So I got that. I'm preaching now. You're, this is going to change your life. But if there's more than two bowls, a plate, and whatever a colander is, it ain't fitting in the dishwasher. But my wife can load that down. So what I do is I get up early. I'm the early riser in our house. I get up early and I unload the dishwasher first thing in the morning. So all day long, she can load it. And then if it's done, I'll unload it that night or unload it the next morning. It's just how it works. That's one of the ways, that really small, simple, stupid way that I honor my wife by sharing in tasks and responsibilities with one another. But wives, let me say this, I'm not a wife, but you have an incredible, incredible responsibility and an incredible power that you may not know you possess. You don't wear capes, but you're a superhero. Because when my wife says something positive and affirming about me, whew, I'm six foot five. I mean, I'm six two right now, y'all don't know that. I'm wearing weird shoes, but like, I mean, I feel like I grow. I'm like, whew, come on, like my wife, she noticed, and she loved it, and she affirms that I just want to be that kind of man all the time because she saw something that resonated with her, and like you can speak life 
The power of life and death is in the tongue. And I'm telling you, when you speak life into respect your husband and, and give life-giving words to him, it does something for him. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Husbands should love their wives and wives should respect and honor their husbands. We have a mutual responsibility. If you move about 12 verses before verse 33, it says, out of reverence for Christ, we submit to one another, husbands and wives. We submit to all people. So we submit and respect and honor one another. Hebrews chapter 13, verse four says this, marriage should be honored uh, honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Marriage is sacred. It is a powerful gift that God has given to all of us because it makes up the family unit, which brings us to the next one. I honor my father and mother. Ephesians chapter six, verse two and three says this, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, I love preaching this when my kids are in the room. They're not here. I hope they listen to the podcast. (laughs) But there is no disclaimer in this verse that it stops at a certain age. I preached this a while back, and my dad listened to our podcast, and I made this statement. I was like, you know, I'm grown. I'm full grown. But my dad frustrates me sometimes. He called me a few days later. He's like, hey, I was listening to the podcast. What do I do to frustrate you? I was like, all right, we're going to do this on the phone. All right. (laughs) All right, let's go. I mean... Um, but let me just say to you, like, I'm so thankful for father and mother. They can provide wisdom and counsel and love and affection. And, and so like all the days of your life, honor your father and mother, find different ways in different seasons to honor father and mother. It's one of the things that we've been called to. And there's a promise there that ultimately it helps your life to go well. Like if you, if you ignore that and avoid that, if you don't have the kind of earthly relationship with father and mother, like find some just spiritual moms and dads that you can honor with your life and that can invest in you and help you to go further faster, which leads us to the next one. I honor my children. It's not just a one-way street. It goes both ways. I honor my children. If you continued reading there in Ephesians chapter six, it says this in verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. As a father, as parents, we have a responsibility to our children to honor them in the way that we talk to them. Uh, You've you've maybe heard this thought, this this idea, counselors and sociologists have talked about this for years, but ultimately, your parents are the voice in your head as an adult, right? Because so much of what we think and how we think are the things that we heard when we were children. And so if you are raising young kids, just remember, like, the things that I say now will ultimately shape so much of what they do later, And so we have a great responsibility to use our words wisely. And one of the ways that we do that, it's spelled out right here, is discipline. But our our kids are 17, 15, 13, and 11. We don't know know a lot yet. We're kind of working our way through teenage years. But one of the things that we have always tried to do in the course of discipline is not to correct bad behavior. That's not the purpose of discipline. We're trying to create future right behavior. So instead of just saying to our kids, like, hey, don't lie, we say, hey, we tell the truth in our family. There's a difference. Instead of like my son who's 17 showing up a few minutes after curfew and be like, hey, no, 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 you you broke curfew. I'm like, hey, we keep our word. Hey, we, we honor authority and we obey instruction. 
in this home and on jobs and with coaches and in school. And we're trying to create future right behavior with discipline because we're not just trying to react to negative things. We are trying to proactively instruct in the ways of the Lord and help them to become the sons and daughters of God who live in ways of righteousness in the earth. It's what we're called to do as father and mother. But ultimately, I honor my children by saying to them, listen, I value time with you. I prioritize you. There may be some things that I can't be at. I'm missing some stuff today with my kids. But they know, because I've tried to create the track record with them, that if I could be there, I would be there. Because I I try to show up at things. I try to make it and prioritize it. And I try to say to them, like, I want to be where you are if I can help it. My wife is incredible at this. She says to our kids all the time, I love you and I like you. There is a difference. Because our kids, when we were younger, they're like, well, you have to love us. Well, that may be true, but I don't have to like you. I choose to do that. And I like who you are, and I like who you're becoming. And so for our kids, like, one of the things that we can do is just to say to them, like, I honor you because I like you. I, I want to spend time with you, which leads us to the last thing. Ultimately, I honor every person. I was like, why don't you just start with that? Because I wanted to say all these other things. This is what it says in First Peter Chapter two, we already read it, verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor all men, every single person on the face of the earth, no exceptions. You don't have to agree with them. I don't have to agree with them. I don't really have to like you, but I gotta honor you because that's what we're called to do. It's this upside down, counterintuitive, countercultural gospel thought that even if I can't find something about you that I like, through all of that stuff, way down deep, according to Psalm 139, every single person was formed in their mother's womb under the almighty hand of God. Genesis tells us that we were formed into the image of God, the Imago Dei, that every person you interact with, the people that vote like you and those that don't, the people that look like you and those that don't, the people that believe like you and those that don't, all of us are formed in the image of God. We carry with us the imprint of God Almighty And while we were yet sinners, right, God demonstrated his love, but not just for you, for them too. And so like, how much should I love them? I don't know, how much does God love them? And as a follower of Jesus Christ, what am I called to do? As an image bearer of Jesus Christ, what should I do? I should honor all men. Even if I can't find something on the outside, way down deep on the inside, and I may have to really look hard or just trust that it's there, there is some God value on the inside of them that I should honor if I can't find anything else to honor. And so it's like, well, there's a group of people, some groups of people, there's like the waitress and the barista, and like they just always get the order wrong, and I just, I'm always upset and frustrated, and they're making me late, and I'm yelling and mad, and, or I don't like what they do, whoever they are. Or I see this stuff on Facebook and I share it and post about it and vent and rant and rave and da, 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 da. But like, what is it that we are, how should we honor? James chapter three, verse nine and 10 says this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. It's really difficult, I would say impossible to do what we've just done authentically and worship God and then dishonor his children out of that same mouth. Like we we gotta recognize that we are holistic beings 
And we gotta ask God to help us to reflect who he is to those around us as we pursue growing relationship with him. So every single person that I come in contact with deserves honor. And so here's the closing question. Who have I been dishonoring that I can honor this week? That's probably different for a lot of us. Again, it could be, it could be somebody in our home that we talked about. It could be a spouse, kids, mom and dad. It could be somebody that lives on our street. It could be the ball coach that we disagree with how they're setting the lineup and we just vent in the car on the way home to our kids about that idiot that's coaching their team. We, we, we could interact with the same person that serves us something or does something for us most days every week because we've kind of got our routine. It, it could be groups, chunks of people, ethnicities and nationalities and religious and whatever those groups are that we just dishonor them because they are different than we are perhaps. But who have I been dishonoring that I can just decide, you know what, that's not reflection of my heart and my desire to grow in relationship with God. And so I'm gonna make a really big effort this week to honor them well. I'm, gonna honor, I'm not gonna let familiarity and proximity cause me to become complacent and to devalue those around me. I'm going to lean into the hard things and I'm gonna push back and I'm gonna say, hey, there's value in that person. God values them, loves them, honors them, and I wanna do the same. And could it be that the way that I honor them actually points them to a God who loves them? So I'm just gonna ask you right where you're at just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, just a moment of reflection, just kind of you and the Lord right here for a second before we pray. And I just want you to answer that question for yourself. Who have I been dishonoring? Who's that person, those people that I've been dishonoring that I need to honor this week, that I need to love well, respect, submit my heart to theirs out of a submission to the Lord. Nobody looking around, just kind of the way I wanna lead us towards prayer. If you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I, you started with honoring God above all else. I'm not in a relationship with God. I, I'm one of those like sinners in need of a savior that scripture talks about. I, I need him to be the Lord of my life and I wanna change that today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I'm gonna pray for you. You can put it right down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And now if you would just say, with nobody looking around, I'm, my hand's already raised for this one. You know, I, I, need to, I need to honor some people better than I've been honoring. Is that you? You kind of lift your hand, my hand's up. Thank you so much. There's a ton of us today. You're not alone. God, I thank you today for our time. Lord, I thank you for an incredible church, Hope City Church, that you've called and destined for greatness in this part of the city of Louisville and even beyond to reach those who are far from you. They've been doing that for a long time, God. And I genuinely believe that their best days are in front of them because this is your church. It's not our church, it's your church. And you want better for this church than we even want for this church. And so God, I thank you for the trajectory that you have us on and the story that you're writing in and through this place. God, I pray now for the hands that were lifted to say, hey, I, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to honor God right now by responding to the free gift of salvation that he offers to me. And so God, we thank you. We celebrate with heaven now for those who've made that decision. We believe heaven's excited about the fact that they lifted their hands and they're trusting you with eternity. And so God, we celebrate now in the same way. 
And God, I pray for every one of us whose hands were lifted to say, you know what, I've been dishonoring towards some folks and I wanna honor them better. I begin today, right now, in this moment. I may need to go and apologize to some folks. I may need to text somebody before I leave church today. I may need to have a conversation face to face. I may need to react differently at the restaurant tonight or in school tomorrow or on the job or I, I may need to do some things differently, but Lord, I'm committed right now that I'm gonna honor people better because that's what you're asking me to do. And God, I thank you for the pastors of this house. I thank you for Jason and for Andrea. I thank you for their kids. God, I pray a hedge of protection around them. I pray that you would guard them. I pray that you would continually use them in ways that would blow their imagination as they think and dream big dreams for this place. God, as they care for people and love people well, I pray that you would continue to lift them up Use the people of this house and the people that are in their lives to speak life into their hearts. God, we thank you that you've called them for such a time as this. And God, we pray that you would continue to do unimaginable things through their leadership of Hope City Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.